Okay. Um, I just want to say mm-hmm. that the thing that made me think about turning the, the microphones on mm. was you said to me, can you move the water so that it's between us? And I thought that is a really weird thing that we would, it's very us that we're sharing a glass of water. Most people would each have a glass of water. Yes, but you know why that is, don't you? Because there was one glass of water up here and neither one of us feels like going downstairs we're lazy. or sharing a glass of water. We've ended up doing that thing which podcasts do where they just start recording and you just fade in. Which I'm a fan of. I'm not so sure because it's... Because it. of our, gener- our generation gap. <laughs> it's because you have a younger wife. We're both born in the 70s. Um, I, I, I liked it the first time I heard it. And at, the, at that time it felt like, ooh, this is what the cool yeah, people yeah, do. And now yeah. it feels like it's what everyone does because people don't have a certain polish with how they... Exactly. And and I just don't like things once they become a trope either. Hmm. Well, I, I agree with that, but I do still... You like it? I like it. Hello? Welcome to Beetlejuice. Hello? With Jeff Lloyd. What? Because everything's better with the Beatles. Yeah, it's just something a bit more, because it sounds a bit dead when you hear it, just as an intro. How about this, then? Ladies and gentlemen, the Beatles. This is Beetlejuice with Jeff Lloyd. Yeah, we'll have him, we'll have him. There's only the But do you not think like most of what is bad about podcasts is it's just two people shooting the breeze? Yes, 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 I do. Which I I don't know if this will be that. I mean, it'll be a bit more than that. Let me just explain. So this is Beetlejuice Extra Squeeze. Um, I'm intending it to be a a companion piece to the radio show. Does the world need another Beatles podcast? I don't know. There are lots and lots. And I always feel like it's a secret part of my life that often if I can't sleep or if I have time on my own, I'm listening to some weird Beatles podcast, you know, two guys sitting in two rooms in two different cities in America dissecting the minutiae of, say, for example, a meeting that the surviving Beatles had at the Dorchester Hotel in London in 1983. And that, that is what I want from a Beatles podcast because I'm that nerdy. Do you tune into something like that? And not think it's good. Often. Oh. Often. Anyway, my point is there's lots of Beatles podcasts for people like me who are super nerdy. But what this is, is I think it's just sort of like a follow-up to the radio show. So if you listen to the music on the radio show and you want a bit more detail, that's what this is. So this is my wife, Sarah. Hello. You you don't live in the world of Beatles fandom that I live in. No, not. Not even slightly. I don't dislike them. There's nothing about people loving them that I think seems illogical. But at the point we met, I think you'd be somebody who felt warmly towards the Beatles. Yes. Are you trying to get me to tell that thing about how I... I think there was like a dating app, which is not how we met, but I, I was on a dating a dating app. Oh, my God. It wasn't a dating app back then. Just there were no there apps back then. There was no such thing as apps. There weren't apps. By the way, it was cool when you said, uh, you know, if anyone's done a social media post to me... Um, do you think that made you sound old? No, it, it just makes me sound inarticulate, which is oh. um, something I worry about anyway a lot of the time. Anyway. I feel like often I sound like I'm somebody who's learned English as a second language. <laughs> well, that's not true, but you did in that sentence. But anyway, <laughs> I... Um... I think I might either oversimplify or I overcomplicate. I'm trying to... Anyway. I'm trying to bring an authentic yes, voice. Yes, and yes, I actually yes, disagree yes. with what you just okay, said okay, again. Okay, but anyway, okay. I want to say that I was on a dating website... And this baggage that I've had that that our marriage has helped me through 
a bit, but I have, I'm, I have bad taste in music. You would argue that I sort of don't have taste in music because your point is I do know what's good and know what's bad and then mm. that, whatever. But so I was, I felt like I couldn't pull because like guys were thinking I was so uncool because I didn't like the right music. So in some dating app, app again i feel like when it asked me what music i was into i was like oh i'll say the, the beatles i'll be like uh the white album because like dudes are into that which is so <laughs> problematic but that was my impulse like 12 years ago and then i wound up on a date with someone who was starting to ask me i was like oh you said you're into the beatles and i was like oh shit here we go <laughs> so that so i know that they're good i knew that they were a cool but, but thing. also but I, I guess what i mean is like my parents couldn't care less about the Beatles, whereas your mom, especially, I think your mom saw them live, and and th- there's this warmth towards the Beatles. Yes, I feel in your family. Them. Yeah, I feel yeah, 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 yeah. Um, there's an interesting thing though, actually, with what you said about guys. I read a thing a while ago talking about how the Beatles music, the first people to latch onto it, really were were girls, women, and about how it has been appropriated by men and it's thought of like you just said as men's music oh. but it was the the women giving their screams which i thought was a really interesting point um and when i think of the beatles podcasts i listen to the the beatles nerdery and the train spotting around being a fan is almost always men not not always i have my first question go on but is that then like is that something that's happened over time with history or is it like those early albums mm. screaming girls were mm. sort of women's music and then once they got experimental <sighs> well i, I see i don't think so so music. the beatles didn't think they like did. women weren't loving rubber soul no i think they were i think they were like if you talk to your mom her favorite memories of beatles albums have been a, a teenager she would have been a, a rubber soul and revolver i think it has happened over time i've thought about this not that much but it's one of the things i've given thought to mm-hmm. so i don't necessarily buy that idea that when they played live women screamed and then as soon as they started using the studio as an instrument it was the 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 the, the axis tilted towards men i think most of that has happened in the years since they split up right what I wanted to say is that I, and it, it, it's 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 related to that actually. I feel sometimes a bit guilty about something right at the beginning of our relationship, which is we met in the United States early one year. We got together in the springtime, and in the autumn you came over to the UK and spent a few months here. Mm-hmm. And during that time, I, <laughs> um, I, I gave you. <laughs> I'm like embarrassed to say it, but I gave you what I called at the time your Beatles education, yeah. which is we sat in several consecutive nights and as watched... As a treat to me. As a tr- and watched the anthology. And something I've heard you and other women talk about is oh, being educated. Yeah, men love to educate yeah. their women. And I've really thought a lot about that. And I think, firstly, I'm not not guilty. Right. Secondly... I think what I was doing was sharing my passion with somebody I'd fallen in love with. You know, this is really important to me and I'd love you to 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 see why or at least know that story and why it feels special to me. But I, I do, with some frequency, think, was I doing that classic male thing of teaching the little lady about music? 
Well, it's both things, isn't it? Yeah. I think that you like, you do like to teach. You like to share your information, whether it's about the Beatles or Sweden, which is something you're into. Like, you like being like, here's something. Yes. Thank you for asking. Let me tell you about this. Mm. But then I think also it's legit to be like, oh, here's this thing I'm obsessed with and we're in love now. So you should know about it too. Just, I, like I think learning. our great joy in life is sitting and watching the yeah. telly. And it's an ama- it's an incredible story. Like, I, I think in some ways, it's the, I've heard Mark Lewison say this, it's, it's, it's this Beatles biographer, it's the greatest story ever told. I think even if the Beatles had made a bunch of shitty records, but the story was the same, it would be this in- incredible story and how lucky we are that, not only have we got the finest body of work in popular music, but we've got this strange, twisty, turny story full of unlikely coincidences and chances and <gasps> characters and you know how it intersects with cultural history and social history and world history. I, I, I think it's just the best story. Yes, that's probably the 12th time I've heard you say that. <laughs> That sort of exactly. That, that is a that is a surprisingly low number yeah, to I me. Know. I want to tell a story now. Mm-hmm. I know that in this episode you were talking about the people who made the shoes for the Beatles, Anello and David. Yes. So I want to tell a story about them. <laughs> okay. So when we got married in the run up to our wedding, we. I think that we sort of defied certain gender roles in as much as you did all of the work for the wedding and I did nothing. I didn't plan any part of it. I was groomzilla. You were groomzilla. Yes, that's exactly it. And also similarly, like you spent way more money on what you wore than I did. Mm. So I didn't want to wear a white dress. So that saved me a lot of money. I didn't have to like go buy some expensive dress. So I bought, you know, by wedding dress standards, a sort of cheap dress and then sort of cheap shoes. I'm just going to go whole hog here, even if it may. And then you, but you, you had a suit made. You had a made to measure suit. A bespoke suit. You had a bespoke, that's better than made to measure. Oh, what is made to measure? Made mean? to measure is when you go in the shop and they make an existing pattern to your size. A bespoke suit is when they oh, cut a suit. Oh, so bespoke is even fancier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. you had a bespoke yeah. suit. Yes. These were different times when you had a different job. <laughs> so it was a different time and yeah. you felt like you were feeling really good in your body and you wanted to treat yourself and it was your wedding day. And so you had a bespoke suit made and I knew that was happening. Yeah. And that was fine. I thought, you know, I think truly the song of my heart, if I may say, was that you were spending way too much money on something, but I was trying to like. But keep I my really mouth shut. love suits. You really love suits. And, you know, you could you could technically afford it. So fine. So then one day we're like walking. It's the morning. We don't have kids yet. And we're walking. And you're like excited. There's a spring in your step. And you're like, ah. I have I have something to tell you. <laughs> I have something to tell you that I'm exci- that I've been trying to keep it a secret about the wedding. So I'm thinking, oh, there's like, and I will say I need to say like you are Mister Gift Giver. So I am not a woman married to a man who forgets 
birthdays or you, you do it you do it up so much on birthdays, holidays, all those things. I almost wish you'd do less of it. So that that does sort of need to be laid down as part of the groundwork here. So I'm not like, oh, thank God, my thoughtless husband to be remembered to do a treat for me. I was just like, oh, I wonder what he's done. I bet he's added some fun leg onto our honeymoon or, oh, he knows I don't really want to spend money on this, but he's going to do whatever I thought it was. And you go, I was trying to keep this to myself, but <laughs> I'm having a pair of Anello and David shoes made for me for the wedding day. No, it's, it's worse than that. What? It wasn't even for the wedding day. It was for the day before the wedding day, the oh, rehearsal. Jesus Christ. The rehearsal dinner. I really screwed up my No, no, no. I mean, it, so you were, the point is, is that yeah. you were having bespoke shoes made for yourself yes. that were shoes like the Beatles wore yeah. to wear them the day before <laughs> the wedding. And all of that, this is in addition to a bespoke suit. And all of that is sort of manageable, except that it was presented as a surprise for me. And what did, we, did you not feel like it was an opportunity to see my feet beautifully showcased? No, I don't have the world's I greatest I feet. I don't like those shoes. You don't like them? I don't like seeing you in a little heel. But I, I deliberately didn't get the height of the heel that the Beatles had. I don't like seeing you. When I had these shoes heel. made, I, I said, a man said to with them, "Shoes that click is not hot." I as said, far as "I I'm said concerned. to the the guys, I said, I don't think I could go full Beatle height, which is, I think it's like um, maybe one and a half inches, something like that." No. Two. And they said, oh, when Jeff Lynn from ELO had his made, oh. he couldn't go the full height either. So we made no. him slightly smaller for him. I think, I think, first of all, it wouldn't do it for me on anybody. Like Jarvis Cocker seems like someone who could wear one. Right. But I'd still rather not see that. Right. And I, I, I just, love my little booties. That's great. And I think you should wear them. I have, th- like, I have a purple <laughs> no, jumper now right I now that like, I love and you don't like the color yeah, purple. Yeah, I don't like that jumper. Um, I think you look like nice. one of the golden girls. In do you it or really? Yeah, yeah. I think you look like a pensioner in it. You're just being hateful. Do you really think I look like a pensioner in it? Because I do genuinely, I get a lot of compliments on it. Great. As I think you get a lot of compliments on it. When I'm, what was it? When when I am old, I shall wear purple. No, it was just a good, it's a good cut for me. Maybe my second wife will really like me wearing little pointy shoes with high heels. Well, maybe she will. Um, Oh, do you think anyone is listening to this who, this right now? Who doesn't know who Mark Lewison is? Oh, that's why I made sure to say Beatles historian Mark Lewison. No, I know. That's why I asked because I thought, I wonder if anyone's listening who doesn't know who he is. Mark Lewison is the Beatles biographer. What do the Beatles think of him, the surviving Beatles? So I think they are lucky to have a biographer as good as he is because there's probably only, you know, a couple of people like that in the world committed to telling stories forensically and, and just truthfully as possible but i also think and this is a really interesting thing about them as a band since they were boys in their early 20s people have made a lot of money off them mm-hmm. often they haven't seen their share of that money often they've seen people who've been close friends and confidants sign publishing deals and write terrible sort of Mm tell-all, factually inaccurate books um, because everybody wants a bit of that story. So I think however good Mark Lewison is as a biographer, and I think he's the best, I think they all, to a greater or lesser extent, have an aversion to other people making money off them. them. I think they don't like... And actually yawning there. I know that was so rude and someone did that to me once and it's only because you're my husband that I thought it was okay, but I'm not bored. No, I, th- I wonder if you are. 
Mm, no, what, what? Some of what's going on here is that like some of this stuff I know a little bit yeah. because you've said it all to me before, and I was I. So that's all. Okay. So I'm sort of performing. Mm. Listen, which is fine because I still okay. think it's interesting. Okay. Versus sort of like genuine stuff I don't. Well, I want. I wonder if what we should do now is get on to some of the stuff that you jotted down relating to this week's yes. episode, which is very loosely you, what, what, what you're here to do. Yes. And, yeah. So, okay. This is my first question. <laughs> <laughs> so every, like most people, I don't know if this is true for you mm. or like real fanatics, but most average people have a favorite beetle. Mm. Okay. So what my question is, is what you think someone's favorite beetle says about them. As a jumping off point, my mother, famously in our family, her favorite beetle is Ringo. Yes. So what I can tell, my mother likes to be contrary. Yes. Nobody's, I mean, a lot of people are not going to say Ringo. And I think it's my mom's way of being like, I'm just a little interested. <laughs> I like Ringo. So I was thinking if someone says to you, oh, Paul, John, George, the woman, um, Andrea, Andrea, yeah. who you interview, like she, she was like, I liked when she was like, well, George and the Beatles, and then she's like, well, the other guys, I won't name names. <laughs> so she's this George fanatic. And yes. what does it, is there a personality type that goes? That's a really great question. George versus yes, yes. I, th- I, th- I think so. When you get into people like Han- Andrea, who are deep Super fans, informed, yeah. I think it's a different thing. I think, yes, your, your mum, that is really funny that she she likes to be a bit quirky and different. So, so do she... you want to do a run answering the question for the common folk? So if you if you if you've got if you're just a casual fan or somebody who knows very little about the Beatles and you just want an answer. Your mum is a great example of, oh, I like Ringo. I want to be like a little cute or eccentric yeah. or, or yeah. Uh, different. One of the great moments um, in my relationship with your mum was I was a, the Beatles could all sign each other's autographs. Yes. So if you've got a set of Beatles autographs, maybe each Beatle signed it, probably... Um, their road managers, Neil and Mal, signed the autographs who were good at forging them. Or maybe one Beatle did all four autographs. So I knew Paul McCartney could do Ringo's autographs. Unbelievable. So, so one time when I was interviewing him, I um, I took an 8 by 10 black and white photo of Ringo with me and got him to sign as Ringo for your mum. Yes, which... and then if I may say my adorable thing was that I sent it to the address, Honey Don't, which yes. I thought was cute of me. Yeah. Um... So, so, so there's that. I think... If you say George and you're just a casual fan, you're trying to convey some kind of coolness. Yes, that sounds yeah. right to me. I think what you're trying to say is, yeah, yeah, Lennon McCartney, but we all know George was the cool one in the band. Yes, yes, that sounds right to me. But then do you feel that there's a certain kind of person who says Paul because they're also trying to be cool, even though Paul oh. is not the cool choice, but being like, actually, here, like a yeah, talking yeah. point for you is how much of a genius this is where i start worrying about embarrassing myself Go but on. if generally it's like okay paul's the pleaser and john was the genius which isn't true but it's it's not true but, no but that that is possibly a, a a way that it gets presented but they were just both both geniuses yeah, they're in the music both geniuses, right yeah, and yeah. so a certain type of person is trying to prove yeah. that they're in the know by being like well i know paul's a genius also yeah maybe i think it was ri- I, I think even people 
I don't think anybody would have said Paul to be cool 15 or 20 years no, ago. but now. But now they will. Um, similarly, it's interesting. I don't know what it says about people now that they say they're a John fan. I feel like it always used to be, you know, you could say you're a John Lennon fan in the same way as you'd wear a, a Che Guevara T-shirt or be into Kurt yeah, Cobain. Yeah, yeah. It was about liking the outsider, yeah. you know, the rebel. Um, and I think that has slightly waned in recent years. Hmm, interesting. Mm. Um... Which beetle do you think I think is the hottest? Oh, and th- at what stage? Okay, I think you think John is the hottest. Correct. I think to some extent you'd say at pretty much any stage, but I think when he gets really hairy. When he gets long hair yeah. and emaciated, I yeah. was not into it, but yeah. at any other moment in yeah. time, I was super into it. Yeah, yeah. And what's sad about our marriage is that you went through a phase of being into a John Lennon-style glasses, mm. but I missed that, and now you feel that those days are behind you and you won't indulge me. Yeah, yeah, I'm not going to do the granny glass. I mean, maybe, who knows, maybe when I'm a granny. Maybe. But not until then. Of all the Beatles, mm. what was the closest friendship? Both from 1963 to 1967 and then beyond. Oh, God, I mean, so what's really interesting is once Ringo is in there and established as a member of the band, because what they was were all going through was so intense, it's almost like they were kind of equally bound as friends. Like there was the four of them in the middle of this hurricane. Yeah, well, there were, but it, it would shift. So when Ringo first went into the band... They used to sleep in twin beds when they were touring. You know, uh, two of them would have one I room. I saw that two... in Backbeat. <laughs> yeah, um, and they would put Paul in with Ringo so that, consciously, so that you didn't have two tears in the Beatles where it was Lennon and McCartney in one room, the songwriters in one room, and the, the oh, B team in the other. Oh, that's interesting. But then Ringo becomes quickly established. In some ways, Ringo is the most popular Beatle, which, and this is a very interesting, in the Beatles, a very interesting conversation, uh, very interesting thing to talk about for me at the moment. And I talk about it a bit with Andrea, because... Think about it. The pre-existing relationship between John, Paul and George is the thing which really determines their dynamic throughout the Beatles and beyond. And I think the reason they lasted as long as they did was because Ringo was ultimately some kind of stabiliser. But that being said, Lennon McCartney was so close in a certain way. They're writing these songs together. They're the creators. I, I think... You know, John jokingly would talk about Paul being his other wife, um, you know, when right. it, before Yoko. So there was this in- intense closeness there. You can sometimes look at it like Paul and George have the most strained relationship, but Paul was best man at George's wedding. So what I'm saying is uh, also like George kind of hero worshipped John, but there were days where they would be recording a George song and John wouldn't bother turning up to the sessions. So they're really complicated relationships. But I I, I genuinely think it's true to say that when they were Beatles, up until the point it started coming apart, the 
closeness was there or thereabouts between all four of them and it's difficult to it's difficult to unpick and say who was the closest because they were all just so in it together famously Mick Jagger referred to them as the four-headed monster if they went out they'd go out together if they bought clothes they'd all sort of get the same thing Um, when George and John ended up getting into LSD. Paul talks about the peer pressure of being in the Beatles because he hadn't taken it yet and he was a bit scared of taking it because they they just all want it was it was like they all had to do the same thing. They were real a real gang a in gang. a way that no band had been. You know what I always find weird hmm. is this idea that like is it sorry is our doorbell ringing? I can't hear it if it is. Do you want to Can I just really yeah, yeah, push I, just, can, yeah, yeah. I have some paranoia yeah, because that's these fine. people are supposed to arrive. I think this is good. Do you think this is good? I'm really... I I trust you completely, but yes, I think so. So do I need to ask that again? Yeah, cuz it's yeah. Well, Jeff. <laughs> sorry, I had to go do a thing. This is what there's a you know what is real that is showing our generation gap is um that you don't like like a certain so what I want to do is mm. I wanted to acknowledge that we just had to stop recording for a little bit because I had to go answer the door and talk to somebody and now we're trying to find our groove again uh, and I, I like to say that I yeah, like but, those deep as a listener yeah, yeah, yeah. I like when people give those details <laughs> but you the older generation you think that that's the sign of like a certain lack of polish so you and think professionalism people born in this sort of Late early seventies. I was born in nineteen seventy nine. A very different. I am old. I think it's just just you knock about with young people. I do, but a lot of people that I work with are like twenty seven. Yeah, no, and I and I think probably I've got an old attitude towards it, just through having worked in coming up in radio at a time where that kind of professionalism yeah was really haunts you a little bit. (laughs) Was really valued. Yeah. So, do you think there's anything to the idea that people liked him because his talent was less threatening? I think that's a common misconception. Conception that people. That's tell. a real lay person idea, isn't it? <laughs> I'm serious, right? Yeah, the the idea of Ringo's the luckiest man in the world is just completely wrong. But that's wrong. not what I said. Yeah. That's not what I said. Yeah. I know that he was a really good drummer, and that yeah. that that people saying he's not even the best drummer in the Beatles mm. is is sort of all this lore that isn't real. Mm. But there's no argument that like his songwriting. Oh yeah, was anywhere near yeah. George's, and certainly not yeah. the other two. And so then, what I'm saying is, is, is that were they all so competitive with each other mm. that that he just didn't even have to figure yes. into yes, yeah. That oh, thing. I see what you're saying. And so you yeah. can just yeah. love him yeah. a little yeah. bit more yeah. because yeah. you didn't yeah. have to yeah. hate him. Yeah, for being oh, better I think, or as good. yes, I think that's sort of yeah, I think that's really true of the dynamic within the band actually especially that's uh that's a really good point i like that i'm gonna spend some time thinking about that okay. i love it when i get a new aspect of the beatles just just to have a little think well, about i'm really bringing some of my insight yes. to this um can i just bring in a couple of questions uh i said i'd do some any other beetle business so i'll bring in a, a couple of these while you collect your thoughts okay lee says how did you get so fond of the Beatles? I'm a bit older and they were the sound of my childhood. My mum was and is a huge fan. I've messaged her to tune in, but they'd have already split by the time you were hearing them for, for the first time. Yeah, it's true. I um, I just remember Beatle music has almost been like nursery rhymes. We'd sing when I'm 64 at mm-hmm. school with the guy who came and played piano. I remember when I was doing hospital radio, somebody talking about these lost Beatles tapes and not even understanding that a band could be significant enough to have lost tapes that there would be anything special about that and then in the 90s I started listening to their music differently it started with John's first solo album then I started digging into the band and I was just amazed by it and the more I was amazed by it the more I read about them and more the more I read about them the more in love with them and the story I fell 
I don't think here's the thing. Like, I think that there are obsessions that take like you're really obsessed by them. Mm. Like, so this thing that we've talked about before is I had a friend who I fell out with. And so at any given moment, not so much anymore, but in the aftermath of my breakup with this friend, in any given moment, I was like obsessing about her. And you could just say to me, you could, you knew that that's where my brain was at any given moment. Mm. But what is true about your sort of entire adult life is that at any given moment, you've got the Beatles pretty close to the front of your brain. But I think that that's like a, I think that some obsessions take people out of the world. Like they keep (sighs) them from, it's a way that they have of staying out of the world by having this thing that they get really obsessed with. Whereas it seems, I mean, I don't know anybody who's obsessed with, I know of a couple people or people like now that I'm with you, people will say, oh, so-and-so would love that. Oh, they're obsessed with the Beatles. Oh, I didn't know that about them. But it, it, it seems to, I feel like it connects you to the world more than it does turn you hermetic. Yes, I think so. I I think um, I was thinking about in terms of football, like how so many men are connected by football. Yes. And about how if there's, say, for example, when the Peter Jackson trailer for the film came out yes how that just meant oh i can text nelson oh i can text you were chris united with all these yeah, guys. yeah 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 oh, guys not women so interesting shall i ask another one of these questions oh sure sorry this was from charlotte taylor who uh, and i think she could be correcting me here and I, i'm very open to that and i think she's possibly right when i played the beatles on um ed sullivan i tweeted that George Harrison wasn't there for the rehearsals in the afternoon because he had tonsillitis. So Neil Aspinall, who was their road manager, had to stand in. Mm. And you see, for, uh, tweeted a photograph of that. She says, this is Charlotte, I thought it was strep throat. Are they the same thing? I th- They're not the no, same No, and thing. I think it was. I think it, I know that because I've had both. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's reported in, in some places as tonsillitis, but I do think the more most reliable account is that it was But so then he throat. managed to, so good on her. Yeah. And, but he managed to pull it together, obviously, for the live show. Yeah. I mean, just think about that. Think about like that moment. And it is a moment (gasps) that a generation talks about. People like Bruce Springsteen talk (gasps) about seeing that on TV and the life changing. (gasps) Like that George was, had to drag himself out of his sick bed to do it. It's it's like one of the great moments in cultural history in America in the 20th century. Um, it's, It's the thing that everybody who was alive during it pretty much remembers in America. Do you want to do a shout out to that? Wasn't, is it, is it a This American Life episode? That, oh or, my yeah, God. That yeah, thing. it's great. Yeah, there's thing. an episode of This American Life. Um, it's so good. It's about one of the other acts who were on the Ed Sullivan Anyone show. Anyone who likes the Beatles would love to listen to that. It's about the people yeah. who were on the show that night yes. who didn't have any sort of break yes. because the Beatles were having one yeah. of the biggest moments in cultural history. Yes, because the Ed Sullivan show was this platform which you know if you got if oh you God, if you were an act imagine? scrabbling around and you were lucky enough to um to 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 get on there it could change your career forever so it's the story of a, i think they were a husband they were a husband and wife act and they're so great because um they, they sound exactly what like what they are you know a variety act from a certain era of entertainment um and they didn't feel tra- the way they told the story didn't feel tragic no not at all funny. and they you know they felt like a certain type- we should say no more People okay yeah yeah you should it. i was just getting their name i was just googling their name which i should have in my head but it's charlie brill and mitzi mccall so they should google those people in this american life. and it's great just talking about about meeting the beatles but 
like the hope they had going into doing that show and oh, what they thought stop, it would do for their stop. career and then what being on the same show as the Beatles did for them. Okay. Oh, it's so great. Yeah. Do you want it? That was more of a comment than a question. Well, no, she did ask that as a question. She was being kind to you. Yeah, saying, yeah. I think. Yeah, that- yeah. And I, th- I think you're right. I think you're right. I think there's an interview with his sister where she said it was strep throat. So that's... um that, that's the closest I, I found without digging the books out. I think maybe the reason I thought it was tonsils is Ringo had tonsil issues um, slightly later in their career, which led to a, the only time they used a stand-in drummer. Do you know that I have on the gamut of tonsil size that you can have? I'm in like the 99th percentile. Like my tonsils are as big as a human's can be. This is unsurprising to me. I seem like the kind of person to have big tonsils. You, So, so you're a, a slender, you're like the slight, I'm medium. I'm no, medium. you're a slight woman. You're a slender woman. And yet there's things like your rib cage, which yeah. are enormous. Yeah. And my hands and my feet and yeah. my tonsils. Yes. Yep. Okay. I want you to sort of move quickly through these. Okay. Which is, okay. So, okay. First of all. What is the recipe for a Beatles cover that isn't an embarrassment? Oh, I see. This was after hearing the Al Green and the Robbie Frame ones. That's so good. And you're like, surely these are the songs you shouldn't touch. And yet sometimes people do and it really works. Is there any rhyme or reason? I think the best Beatles covers, broadly speaking, are the ones done by soul artists, by black soul artists. Oh, so you're saying be black. (laughs) <laughs> yeah to cover a beat yeah. song. Okay. but then that Roddy Frame one that I played is is it's really stripped down I think his voice is amazing on it I think usually they're bad if people try to in any way stay close to the original recording do you feel okay so you culture that you are have always been interested in here are two cultures that you're interested in yeah I'm going wide but then I'm going to try and narrow this down yeah. okay Swedish and Indian. Yes. Okay. Nothing about him. Basically, here's what I'm driving at. Yes. I don't think you would have found me attractive. Yes. I think that you find American accents a bit off-putting. <laughs> and the only reason that you found me sort of attractive was because Paul had married an American woman. No. Do you think that's possible? No, so, I don't think Somewhere it... in your brain you were like, oh, no. this lady will, you know, what? I, okay, so John lived in New York and now I'm with this lady who lives in New no, York. Slash, no. Paul's, Paul's great love was an American. So yes, it would work for me <laughs> for the idea of my great love to be an American. No, I mean... I, I think I, a little bit. I think no, there's, no, I'm no, not no, saying no. it would have been enough to carry it, but I think there was, I think there was an openness to me that you had for those reasons that if it had no. turned out, listen, yeah. if it had turned out I'd been Canadian yeah. and living in Santa Fe, yeah. it wouldn't have done it for you. I d- I That's not a question, it's a comment. I don't think there's even a shred of truth in that. I think it's really interesting that the Beatles' relationships that lasted were with women who weren't from Great Britain. Yeah, well, so but, then there, are you into but, that? But I didn't, I, I, honestly, I, I, it didn't even occur to me. I know that might seem surprising given how much Beatles stuff does occur to me, but it didn't. You didn't when you think, Linda, you don't think me? No, I like how... Willowy Blonde, no? <laughs> I like how much the the... the America loves the Beatles. And if anything, I feel they're a bit more respected wow. in the present day there than they are here. But um, We're more I, reverential generally, aren't we? Yeah, but I think if, if we're on holiday, we go on holiday to the States every summer and all the time I'll hear Beatles music on in cafes and shops mm-hmm. and it's really rare oh, here. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah. Um, okay, so 
the song "Why Don't We Do It in the Road." Yeah. So all I could sing of that song would be the t- the the titular yeah. lyric. Is that right? Mm-hmm. So is it about doing it? It's about they were in India. Paul saw two monkeys having sex two in the road. Monkeys, and then that inspired the the song. Do you know that most people mm. get aroused watching animals have sex but refuse to admit it? Really? Yes. I read that somewhere. That's so interesting. And women more so than men. They they discovered um, that, I know this from our fertility treatment. Your sperm, not my eggs. <laughs> well, exactly. And, 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 and on that. What's the problem? Um, they discovered that um, watching pornography can increase sperm motility, yes. you know, as it's happening. Yes. And they discovered that by getting bulls to watch other bulls having sex. Well, but so that's one thing. But like, it's not surprising if you talk about other people doing it. But the idea that like watching two monkeys could stir something. Yeah. I know this is an unbrand for what you want to do. I'll get it. No, no, it's fine. I think it's interesting. I, 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 I'm not conscious of that ever having happened. Why don't we do it? In there was the a great world. David Attenborough thing where some, um, some uh, once what some slugs mating, and I found it very beautiful. But I don't think I've, I've seen tortoises going be, at it. That's it's not done gotta much be, for me. No, no, no. It has to somehow mimic human doing it. So there has to be a humping motion. Right. That I'm just making up. That <laughs> but that seems right to but me. But tortoises hump. I've never seen tortoises. Is do it, it the more human-like the animal, the more likely it is? I don't know that so that's true. You'd be more I, likely for it to happen with uh, a primate than you would possibly. But it's it's about watching. The, I think. I just, you can take this out. The humping. Nope. It's yeah. about watching in and out, in and out, because that's how really? we do it. I didn't read that anywhere, but that as I hear myself say it, I feel very convinced that I'm right about it. Let me ask another. Does that question. make you feel warmly towards scientists? Yes. To think about the level of research that's gone into that and and what I that must have looked warmly. like. I always feel warmly towards scientists. Okay. So if we think about Beatles album titles, hmm. were they actually good? Did these guys know how to title an album on top of everything else? Uh-huh. Or do we think of them as great titles because they have gone on to become the greatest titles in history? That is a really great question. Thank you. This is based on me, me saying about the alternative titles for Revolver that they rattle through. So Revolver, I think... I- I think they were great titles, but I, I don't know. So Beatles is a horrible name when you think about it. I don't mind it. But it's a pun. Well, but it's not try hard. Do you think it's try hard? To me, I don't think it's pretentious. I think because it's so, like, it, it, it's almost, it doesn't feel like an, it feels like a word in the language rather than Beatles. a name that a band came up with. You think of the Beatles with an A, right. right? But if you think they were into the crickets, Buddy Holly and the crickets, and then they thought, oh, that's good, an insect. And then what about Beatles? Oh, if you put an A in it, it's like a drum beat. That's a bad, it's a oh. bad pun, right? Yeah, okay. Yeah? Yeah, okay. Um, Please Please Me isn't a bad title. With the Beatles is fine. Beatles for Sale is good. A Hard Day's Night is good. They were really good at listening out for like weird things that Ringo said or people said in life and then putting oh, them did in Ringo, some... was he a guy who said weird stuff? Yeah, yeah, he'd, he'd sort of jumble his words. Um, that's where Tomorrow Never Knows came from. And and I don't think Eight Days a Week was him. I think that might have been John Chauffeur. But but anyway, so they would, they would magpie stuff from real life. Um, Help is a good title. Rubber Soul is a bad pun, but, you know, it's Rubber Soul by the Beatles, so I think it's a good title, but it's basically, you know, your shoes have rubber soles on them. Right. But it's soul, like soul music. Right. And I think maybe somebody, maybe there was a description of the Rolling Stones as plastic soul at the time, and that's where that came from. Right. That they'd heard. Um, Revolver 
is a record that goes round, but it's also a gun. So it's another pun. God, it was like they were writing Edinburgh shows. Sgt. <laughs> uh, Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band is, is, you know, great and of its time. Magical Mystery Tour is... I don't know about that. What do you think, good or bad? I really like it. The Beatles. But I didn't know that such a British is like a, the, the, an American. The has mystery no, tours. Yeah, the mystery yeah, tours. Yeah, yeah, coach trips. Um, the Beatles, which is the real name of the White Album, is fine. You know, as a statement, we're going to put out an album with a white cover, and we're just going to call it the Beatles after I used the complexity. To love to look at that. Sorry, yeah. I, you know what? I'm, I would no, never no, no, interrupt someone else like this, but I feel like it's okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> But I just want to say that, that I wouldn't interrupt someone who wasn't my husband. Yeah, sure. Um, is that when my parents had that, I used to love, like my favorite thing would be to take it out and yeah. look at all the things on the cover. Do you know what? Hold on. Am I doing that thing where I think Revolver is the white album? Um, Revolver's the one with sort of all the, the pencil-y drawings. Yeah, that's that what I'm yeah, 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 yeah. See, but this is a very good way of contextualizing my ignorance, which is that I'm yeah. some, like the way yeah. that some people think London Bridge is Tower Bridge. People like me think that the cover of Revolver is the White Album because it's white. Yeah, but there's there's loads to look at. The White Album cover is, is just it's white. It's white. And then inside there's loads to look at. So that's, uh, I thought you were just talking about that, but the, that's a finer. Yellow Submarine's a soundtrack, so that doesn't really count. Abbey Road, I think, is fine. It's good, like it. right? I mean, it's iconic now, but I think it's fine as a title, especially given... They were they solid. Were, they, weren't, they weren't trying too hard with yeah. the titles. And, and Let It Be is fine. There was this idea that it should have been called Get Back, which is probably a bit better given what they were trying to do with that album, but Let It Be is fine as well as a tomb, as an epitaph on a tombstone, which okay. what that album became. Well, thank you. How, how do you feel that that went? Medium? You because, think it was bad? No, no, I, I really enjoyed the conversation, but I, I, because is... I enjoyed the conversation, I've got very little idea in terms of quality control, how good the podcast is. Yes, because that's true. to the extent that I can't quite remember the situation, but it was only a few weeks ago, where I had either done you a favour or I was in a particular funk like a bit depressed and you said to me what if we had a bath and i uh, i'll allow you to talk about the beatles the whole time we're in the bath and you just very very sweetly and kindly had a bath with me and asked me lots of questions about the beatles yes, to cheer I me knew up that was like this real kindness that i could do to you and i think this podcast is is almost that writ large so i enjoyed it right. so much that i get to talk about something i'm interested in because i'm quite i'm quite quiet aren't i yeah I ask a lot of questions. I'm very interested in you mm -hmm. and the world, mm -hmm. but I don't talk about myself very, very much. And, no. and I feel like this gives me the chance to talk. Yeah, it's what you, you're so happy about it. I really, I, I love it so much. So I'm, I feel elated at the moment that we got to do this. How interesting it is, I don't know. Um, and I think we're both like slightly. You know, like feel squeamish doing it. Squeam, as a yeah, yeah. Like, like all the stick that Paul and Linda, like like all the stick that Paul and Linda got yes. when he formed Wings for oh having his wife God. on stage yes, with him. Yes, it's going to be Or like John that. and Yoko. <gasps> like, I don't know whether this. You know, I don't know if people will think, oh, it's really corny getting your wife on a Beatles podcast. But I think this is kind of low key. I enjoyed the conversation. You. Man, I like seeing you happy, <laughs> but it's not like, it's not my number one topic. I don't know what else to say, but, it, I, mean, but just, I think I brought a really nice attitude. But to just it. in terms of a conversation, the point is this, the point is this, Yes, you love the Beatles more than, I would say you love the Beatles more than you love anything other than your son, me, and like maybe your parents and your best friends and siblings. Is that a fair statement? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. And 
you think I'm great, which is why you married me. <laughs> so th- my, my point is, is that you've combined the, 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 the sympathy that mm. anyone and everyone should bring to this mm. is that you are a man who has combined two things that you're not objective about. Right. The Beatles and his wife. So normally I think you've got a pretty good eye on what's going on. And if you were going to slip, it was going to be in this moment, in this chat, and we're open to that. You are open to the fact that that's going to be a mistake that you've made, but you wanted to try. There we go. Um, do uh, do find me on Twitch if you want to talk to me. Uh, just my name, use the hashtag Beetlejuice if uh, if you like. That's helpful. It trended. It trended yesterday. I know. I've, oh, yes. That was so patronizing the way well, you just said I know. Well, I was embarrassed for you saying it to people. What, just mentioning it? I didn't know, but somebody sent me a screen grab saying it trended and I felt really happy. You should feel that happy. That it was a but, new show. But I wonder if that was a moment for a marriage. Oh. Not for this. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Hey, guys, I trended. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. What have I let myself in for? So, uh, yeah, yeah, you find me on Twitter. I think you can contact me through the Union Jack website. I'm not quite sure how I'll get access to those emails, but I, I, I will somehow. Yeah. There's no way you can be where you're meant to be. So that must mean you're meant to be here. Now, listening to Beetlejuice with Jeff Lloyd. Um, and now, to finish, here is the full and unedited interview, which I think is... Oh, about, with, with Andrea. With, with Andrea Great. from Harrison Archive. Wonderful. Hello. Online, you are the Harrison Archive. Who are you in real yes. life? I am just a fan, um, a longtime fan of George and of the Beatles, of course. Um, who began collecting interviews when I was really young and uh, decided one day that maybe I should try and put put some of those online um, with images and scans because a lot of interviews don't seem to have been online, at least when I started the archive. And uh, I felt like George wasn't really represented that much. It's a fantastic resource. It's it's my favourite of all the Beatles Instagram accounts that I've seen. You're also on Twitter and, and Tumblr. Yes. And Thank as you, you say, much, it's not yeah. just photos, it's interviews, it's really well-sourced history. So what was, was this mm-hmm. stuff literally in scrapbooks for years? Uh, yeah, basically. Um, some of them um, I, I found either because they came out at the time or I tracked them down through, you know, secondhand uh, bookstores or antique stores and uh, realized that, you know, a lot of them were not present online. And there's quite a lot of interviews with George. You'd think that um, that would be somewhat uh, in, in the online world or in books and things and not just the same, like, you know, three interviews with him or something. <laughs> no wonder he gets called the quiet one. So, <laughs> yes, there are actually a lot, a lot of interviews in print and in audio. <laughs> and and without being indiscreet and asking you your age, were you a fan the, as, as the Beatles were happening? Did you come to them like me years and years afterwards? Uh, afterwards, afterwards. I was born in the early 80s. So right. <laughs> after the breakup, uh, went back, uh, you know, back uh, before. Uh, actually, it was the year of the Beatles anthology when I became a fan, but it was before the anthology even came out. So, <laughs> And what was it? What was your way in? Uh, Hard Day's Night, the movie on TV. I I stumbled across it um, by accident one afternoon on a weekend, and uh, that was it, basically. <laughs> so, so you're a young teenager at that point, and you just think, who yeah, are these guys? A, yeah, just a kid, and I was like, wow, what's this? <laughs> and and yeah. was it was it George that you latched onto watching that film? Uh, yeah, pretty much. 
something about him intrigued me. I think it was maybe because a he I thought he was really funny, and b he was more in the background. You know, he didn't uh, he didn't push in the front like uh, some others. So <laughs> 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 we say he's a fascinating character. I think as a Beatles fan, you go through phases of becoming obsessed yeah. about the life and thoughts and attitudes and flaws of one before moving on to the next one. Mm-hmm. And, and George is interesting to me because he's deeply spiritual. Obviously, it was him who turned the Beatles onto meditation and right, Indian yes. religion became this huge part of his life. That is played out in the way that he shapes this incredible garden at this mansion that he bought at the end of the Beatles, which becomes his lifelong passion. So there's something meditative in that. Whenever I Mm -hmm. read uh, interviews with his friends, and especially on your Instagram, actually, he seems like the most loyal of friends. However, he also seems like so scarred by the Beatles, which was the thing that Mm -hmm. gave all this to him. What what are your thoughts on that contradiction? Uh, I think that 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 is really like a, a driving force in in what he created in his music and in his whole um, his whole life really I mean I think uh, he struggled with it a lot you can tell from from his interviews and with uh, from interviews with his family and friends that that was like a uh, a thing he had I mean part of it was probably the Pisces um, nature that he had because. As he wrote in Pisces Fish, one half going where the other half's just been, <laughs> um, and I think he really, he really, he really struggled uh, trying to figure out how how it was that he got to be so famous, and uh, in and trying to balance all the good that that brought and all the bad that that brought into his life. Do you ever think that he would would have rather not been a Beatle? Uh, yeah, yeah, I think so. <laughs> I think, but then again, in some interviews, you know, when people ask, like, you know, would you change something? And, um, I think it was one from 1987 or something. And he said, you know, really, he wouldn't because um, if he hadn't gone through what he went through, then he wouldn't be where he was now. So, you know, I guess in a way, he by towards the end of his life, I guess he 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 found some kind of peace with that. It was resolved. Okay, I went through it. A lot of it was bad, but okay. <laughs> I also think that with him, mm-hmm. you, you you will often see him being eye-rolly in interviews and a bit dismissive <laughs> yeah. of the Beatles and their music. But then mm-hmm. every now and again, you do get the impression that he understood how, how good they were or how good certain records were, despite mm-hmm. the need to uh to seem quite nonchalant about it all to the public yeah yeah i think so yeah i think uh, uh, there's a there's a great little quote in uh, one interview where he says that uh, he can't really explain you know just what it was or what made the Beatles so special but something about the the magic that got in the grooves of those records which i guess is a pretty good description <laughs> Have you uh, have you had any interaction with anyone from Beatle World? I always think, for example, if Olivia, George's wife, or uh, Danny, mm-hmm. his son, happened across your website, I think th- think they would probably love it. Um, I'm guessing like oh, they have a huge yeah. archive of their own, but uh, yeah, it's yeah. it's very sort sure. of respectful and balanced. Have you heard from anybody in in the Beatles orbit? Um, uh, not directly. I do know that, uh, as far as I could tell from the followers on Instagram. I think Danny's manager follows follows the account and somebody who works for Harrison's Limited, I think. So So there's some awareness <laughs> of it. They, yeah, I guess they must know or yeah, in somehow. Well, wow, that must I be mind blowing. <laughs> yeah, it is, definitely. <laughs> 
Very much so. (laughs) Something I've been thinking about a lot at the moment is how we tend to, when we think of the Beatles story, Mm -hmm. think of here's this guy, John Lennon, who's this force of nature uh, mm-hmm. and he doesn't quite know what to do with it and forms a band. Then he meets Paul, who mm-hmm. is this prodigy and thinks, I've got to get the guy in the band. And then Paul introduces him to George, uh, right. who again is this is very sort of studious guitar player who loves the same rock and roll music and, and then he gets into the band. Increasingly, mm-hmm. I'm wondering if the way we should think about the Beatles and actually what unlocks what those relationships became is thinking that the oldest relationship in that band was between Paul and George. And actually, if you mm-hmm. frame it in that way and frame it as Paul and George being friends and then he goes off and meets this cool guy and gets in the gang and does George the favour of allowing him into the band or getting John to allow him into the band. That actually explains a lot of the personal dynamics that that Mm -hmm. followed over the course of the rest of George's life. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Because uh, in, in a way they're like brothers but Paul has that tendency, you know, that nine-month age difference <laughs> to hold that over, like, George's head the entire time. <laughs> or at least George is very aware of the age difference, and it's a very strange dynamic. But in a lot of ways, I think, uh, from what we know of, like, George's last few weeks and months of his life, that um, apparently it was Paul's house that he was at um, when he passed away, so... You know, there must have been a strong connection between yeah. them, I mean, even, it, no, no matter what they went through. <laughs> it must have been, it must have been uh, very, very difficult at times. I think because if you're like a family and you're also, you know, in a in a business relationship, uh, it's got to be difficult. <laughs> I think so, especially especially for such a length of time, you know, and going through basically growing up together yeah from and, a really young age and then you know and then getting yeah. into an experience that was unprecedented that just hadn't exactly happened yes, before. Just, yeah yeah <laughs> having the craziest yeah some mm-hmm. quick fire beatles questions uh we'll okay. rattle through these would you have rather seen <laughs> right. them in hamburg the cavern or shea stadium uh probably the cavern when did the beatles never look better Oh gosh, Oof. I don't know. I kind of, I kind of think uh, nineteen sixty one is a good time. <laughs> Who's your favorite? So in the Astrid Kircher uh, photographs from Hamburg, yeah, for example, yeah, basically. Right? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I think they looked very good. <laughs> they really did. Who's your favorite character in the Beatles story? Who's not a Beatle? Uh, Freddie Kelly. <laughs> Guess the secretary, yeah, one of the secretaries, one of their fan club secretaries, <laughs> yeah, is a fantastic yeah. documentary about. Um, what, exactly, yes. <laughs> what is the best filmed performance of the Beatles? And we could talk about either playing live or a music video. Ooh, um, I think I'll go with uh, their Melbourne concert, nineteen sixty-four. Great Part choice. Of it was filmed. <laughs> Do you think that they really noticed that Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds spelled out LSD, even though they say that they didn't? Did they notice? <laughs> Well, I would say so. I mean, it is quite obvious if you're looking at it. So, should the White Album have been a double album? Um, maybe, maybe, or they could have tried to condense it. But I mean, it's okay as it is. I think so. Uh, which uh, which Beatle would be the nicest to sit next to on a bus? Uh, I'd, I'd probably go with George. And which Beatle would be the worst to be sat next to on a bus? 
Oh goodness. Uh, depending on uh, depending on his mood, maybe John. <laughs> uh, what uh, what what um, would the Beatles have made new music together if John Lennon had have lived? Hmm. Maybe they would have done like a one-off song, you know, sort of like the anthology, but with the four of them. <laughs> and if you had to wipe one Beatles song from history to save the universe, which would it be? Oh dear. Um, let's see. Uh, I think I would go with uh, the cover song, Mr. Moonlight. Okay. Although John's <laughs> voice does sound great on that song. It's, yeah, it's it always does, my defense still, of it. Like, yeah. All right. Well, to, to get away from that negativity, you have chosen uh, one of George's songs for us today. Tell us what you've chosen and why. Uh, I'm going for Tear Down, which is the uh, co write between George and Tom Petty. And also the title track of the Lethal Weapon 2 movie, strangely enough, from 1989, which I think is just a really um, upbeat choice and one that kind of uh, can cheer people up, maybe, hopefully. Great. And, uh, Especially and these days. It's a great example of George's <laughs> sense of humour, the lyrics to this song as well, I think. Yes, definitely. Uh, so we'll play that in just a moment. But before that, in the time it takes for you to be drowned out by the Day in the Life Orchestra, what is so special about the Beatles, their music and their story? Um, well, I think it's, um, first of all, the exceptional talent that they had and how it comes across in the music. The progression in their music is just pretty unparalleled in uh, in musical history, I'd say. Every album is, uh, is progress and every album is different from the one before. And uh, they were... They were um, charismatic and really funny too and uh, I think it's a full package of the uh, sort of magic that they created between the four of them whenever they were in a studio or even on stage when they weren't you know um, being drowned out by screaming fans Um, (laughs) and uh, just uh, the um, I don't really know it's hard to pinpoint um, I've got plenty there Andrea that's really great that's lovely. Thank you so much. That was fun to talk to Thank you. Thank you. Beetlejuice with Jeff Lloyd. If you think it was good, keep it. If you don't, scrap it. We'll keep it. Thanks.